history. One, oh, one. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Gaming History 101, the Retro Video Games Podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Fred Rojas, and joining me from a bullet train in nowhere in particular is Mr. Jam Elias. How you doing, sir? Yeah, I see what you did there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm doing very good, Fred. I'm looking very much forward to talking about our topic for tonight. Which is what? Let's just throw Which, the cat yeah, out of the bag right away. Into it. it's, it's probably the one of the most iconic portables of its time, which is the Game Boy. Yes. The original Game Boy, we should say. But of course, we'll probably discuss some of the iterations as well of this system. Um, well, yeah, and let's just get this out of the way right away. So, <clears throat> Mass Effect. That show is next week, guaranteed. <laughs> yep. And I'll tell you why. I have a work function that is going to put me in dispose next week. I have to leave in the middle of the show. So, here's what's going to happen this weekend. Uh, should, we, should we say who's joining us or should we keep it a secret? Uh, we'll be a secret for now. Yeah. Okay. We have a special guest joining us. We will record that show this week. Just weekend. in case there's problems. <laughs> yeah, those. yeah. And then we didn't promise anything right now. <laughs> uh, we have a special guest joining us. We will do the Mass Effect Trilogy podcast. And um, <clears throat> then Jam and I will both be in the chat for the Tuesday night show, which yep. will air live and go live as normal. Uh, it just won't be like live live. We won't have the chat interaction. But we will be there to interact with the chat. Then about half an hour into the show, I've got to go. Um, my wife knows basic ways to uh, fix the stream and stuff. So, Jam, you can hit me up and people can hit mm -hmm. me up on the Twitters. If anything goes bad, um, and I can have her like start and restart, uh, stop and restart it. But for the most part, that's, uh, that's what it's going to be. What the hell? Okay, there we go. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. There was uh, my, my streaming thing went in a very weird place uh it, it just resized itself anyway um and then uh when it's over i will uh have her cut the stream so don't worry uh i mean the b team is probably who would worry the most but uh yeah she'll be here to cut the stream uh even though i won't be but i should be on the b team for those of you who listen to both uh just late mm -hmm. so and speaking <clears throat> of the b team that that uh goes links to our sponsor for this week Ooh, yes which, uh, as Fred's already mentioned, um, the B-Team podcast follows straight after Gaming History 101 on every Tuesday night. Um, so that would be 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And something like 2 in the morning, if you want to do this at Greenwich Mean Time. I know sometimes mm -hmm. Andy from 42 Level 1's hardcore enough to stick around for that podcast. He's but... actually going to be on it. Is he? <laughs> so Andy from 42 <laughs> Level 1 will be joining us uh, tonight. So anyway, uh, yeah, so you can check that out. Um... Oh, what was I going to say? This show. <laughs> what? <laughs> you can check, if you want to check it out live, you can check it out straight after this show. And um, yeah. feel free to share your... Basically, it's the ball gaggies tonight, um, yep. which is uh, B-Team's Game of the Year show. So if you've got time, feel free to submit your own lists uh, for Game of the Year, you know, top fives, top tens, or go just go nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's been an interesting year for that. But um, Yeah, I'll, probably, and... I'll try something like mine before I finish tonight, actually. <laughs> <laughs> when people are talking in the chat and stuff uh, about Turbo CDs and Jaguars, it's funny yep. you mentioned that. Uh, <laughs> I can say that uh, after tonight, where I think I'll wrap up Yeast, 
Um, I have officially completed every video game that was on the PC Engine CD for 1989. Nice. Wow. And I jump into 1990. It was a surprisingly large list. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm going to get through all of 1990 before the Cron CD comes out. But it's coming along. Uh, things are written up. Uh, beat some games I've never beaten before, like uh, Last Alert or Red Alert. Mm. And uh, East 1 and 2. I can now yeah, say wow. I've played East, through East 1 and 2. So that's interesting. But mm. uh, anyway... So stay tuned for those. Um, but uh, and uh, one other thing is, I think I'm going to do a 24 hour live stream for our fundraiser. So yeah. as you guys know, we're going to try to fundraise for um, for the uh, uh, for the the annual dues since we've discontinued the Patreon. So soon on GamingHistory101.com, in fact, I would say this weekend at the latest, uh, you will see a donate button appear that says PayPal Donate. You can donate at any time, but in the interest of garnering stuff, it's going to be down to the wire because actually the dues are due, I think, March 1st. But February 27th, I believe, is when it's going to be. I'm going to stream for 24 straight hours (laughs) by myself from Saturday morning at 8 a.m. till Sunday morning at 8 a.m. Because I am a father and I'm alone and a family man and things like that, uh, it it lends to reason that I will have several people pop in and say hi to me, including probably my daughter and stuff like that. Um, But I'm starting to get a list together so I can prepare like a show. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, send in to either contact at GamingHistory101.com or the Facebook. Been lots of great interactions on the Facebook these days. Mm-hmm. Um, or, uh, or of course, uh, through the contact link on the website, send in your suggestions as to, I definitely want to play at least a NES game, if not a couple of them. And I know the battle toads requests are yeah. coming. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> God help you. Definitely. Yeah. And tiger claw says that's a lot of coffee. Yes, it will be. Uh, I yep. told my wife, I was like, no downers allowed. So nothing that's high in fat. It will be nothing, but f- probably fruits, vegetables, lean proteins, and lots of caffeinated beverages. Oh yeah. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> I definitely want to do a Sega CD game. Um, and I definitely want to do um, a couple others. But basically, I, I just want to play the shit out of games. Yeah. So I'm hoping to do five systems mm-hmm. um, over uh, two hours each system, preferably one to three games. Um, and then uh, and then we'll, we'll see what we do for – wait, wait. No, that's 12 systems. 12 systems, two hours a piece. Yeah, I think I want to slot actually 10 systems, two hours a piece. And then the remaining four hours, I've got some ideas, and it'll also allow me to just like wing it and stuff like that. Um, plus, i got to come up with what kind of crazy shit uh, um, I'm going to do while like I eat, because you guys <laughs> probably don't want to watch me eat. So the, I'll, I'll have some fun stuff planned. But yeah, come join us. The Twitch is going to be twitch.tv forward slash GH101 if you want to uh, subscribe now so you're ready for it. But yes, barring anything falling apart, I am going to try to do a 24-hour uh, broadcast. And um, you have my brother-in-law come over. Uh, and uh, he's a night owl, so he can slap me awake if I fall asleep. So oh, I pay to see that. This will be <laughs> because it's all mostly standard def. We're talking cameras on me at all times, commentaries, <laughs> people grabbing the mic, all kinds of crazy shit. So it should be fun. Yeah, so anyway, five dollars per slap <clears throat> or per hit or something. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, 
So there's that, uh, and people are saying like ban battle toads or something. Yeah, you know, I, I'll figure toads. it out. I'll figure that, it out. Um, I don't, you know what you should do, Fred? Is it's because we're talking about the Game Boy? You should get the Super Game Boy and play the Battle Toads Game Boy card. I have the Super <laughs> yeah. Game Boy. Um, it's uh, so I can do that, and also with my Master System Flash card, I can even play a majority of Game Gear games in a live oh, wow. stream. So, yeah, yeah. There's there's no end to one thing I did think about doing. So guys, food for thought just so you know one of the special treats i'm thinking about doing is there is a i shit you not gay a virtual boy emulator that allows me to stream in blue and red and you can buy cheap ass blue and red 3d glasses and watch it watch the stream in 3d yeah that that's a thing we can do so i'm gonna look into all of these options um so yeah so anyway stay tuned for that and definitely throw out what you'd like to see um <clears throat> but with that in mind so jim i had an interesting question i think we could both talk about uh that people keep asking me on a regular basis but somebody asked um sent it in to me and it's uh it's it's just a per- he wasn't sending it in for like a, a gh101 thing or anything he was just chit-chatting with me on twitter but then i think that same person asked it on a couple of other more major podcasts you know, ones that may involve media outlets with only three letters, perhaps, or <laughs> ones that may include game developers, mm-hmm. or even ones that could explode. And um, if you want to laugh or, or, or realize how removed um, traditional games press, and self-admittedly, they don't think yeah. they're not removed from it, but that traditional games press are from... Um, <clears throat> Uh, from the rest of the world it's hearing their responses to this question which is how do you guys do it as a person who works full-time i believe the guy said he works 50 to 60 hours a week Mm -hmm. father of two married Mm -hmm. uh just really can't get game time in and the more they try to schedule it the less it works and the responses were hilarious because like most People who work in Games Press live in a very select section of San Francisco, surrounded yep. by game developers and um, friends with game developers. And most of them are dating yep. either somebody who makes or promotes video games. Mm-hmm. And occasionally you get two journalists hook up, but usually that doesn't happen. Um, and their responses cracked me the fuck up. Like... It's completely unrealistic as a person who is in a very different situation. I work probably only like 40 hours a week. I, I'm pretty fortunate. And occasionally projects will keep me at work. But yeah. for the most part, I work 40 hours a week and I only have, and I have one child. Uh, and I'm I will only have one child. About 40 hours. Yeah. How, many, how many pets you got? Uh, isn't it like six cats equals one child? <laughs> <laughs> well, no kids just yet. Um, that will probably happen in the future. But um, I don't no, I actually, I don't have any pets right now either. Which is, I do, I do, I do, I have, I usually have dogs and stuff. But under my current living circumstances, that's just not possible right now. Um, but hopefully if things change this year for me then that might change but is it is a really uh, i guess i'll let you finish what you're going to say about these uh what the response was from the game developers but um 
Well, why don't what? we open with yours? Oh yeah, okay, yeah, sure. What I was gonna say is the I, I think it's a very interesting question because um, I, I personally I'm just like you, Fred. I have a, a full time job. Uh, my job, especially now as well, actually involves me traveling a lot, which I've, I've kind of hinted at quite a bit in with some of my reviews and why I like portable gaming more. Which also goes to this Game Boy thing because I, I can I, today, for example, I was actually doing a one hour commute. Uh, sometimes that's my average commute. Sometimes it could be longer. Sometimes it could be shorter. Um, uh, sometimes it's by car. Sometimes it's by train if it's by train obviously i'm all about sort of going on my vita or game what game funny if i have actually brought a game boy on a train before and i've had the there weirdest looks before and i think what the hell is that guy doing in the corner i and yeah for anyone that was listening to our christmas special yes i did take that game boy the pink game boy micro on a train recently and i got the weirdest looks from people who are playing on that system <laughs> um the, the short story about that which was a joke that we had recently is i i managed to finally find a game boy micro which is a very small game boy advance but it was it's the hot pink color which is actually the official title of it hot pink and it's this incredibly bright pink game boy micro and obviously i just wanted to test out it works everything um i brought it from a porn shop obviously it makes more sense if it sounds porn shop so we had that joke there as well you bought it from um, a porn shop yes yeah absolutely uh, so that's where the insert all of your jokes in send that sort of yeah add to the funny you know it's all good insert <laughs> your jokes was that intentional or was that yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, absolutely um but yeah but uh, so i usually I, I was testing it out on the go and it, it does work because i was actually playing doom on it on the train and um there you go people were giving me um odd looks which just thinking what the hell is that guy playing and why is it pink but yeah <laughs> um, that's when you just scream right before you get off the stop ah i'm in yeah. hell and i just can't <laughs> overcome the demons exactly <laughs> also yeah. doesn't the micro not have a headphone jack or does it does it? have a headphone jack okay using, yeah yeah it's the, the original game there. boy advance does not have a headphone jack the, the original one does the purple one does it's the sp one the flip one doesn't that's the oh, the oh yeah. so it was, it's just mine <laughs> yeah, it's just yours. <laughs> I have the SP, which That's I'm, I'm almost thinking about grabbing a traditional one. I would kind of recommend it almost just to have the headphone jack alone, really, because it's um, because I was also going to mention continuing with with sort of the work that I do. Sometimes I can't have sound played a lot just in case it distracts um, people that are working around me and stuff like that, or mm -hmm. just distracts the environment. So I, I surprisingly have to play a lot of stuff in mute unless I have a headphone jack. So the Game Boy Advance for me, is, um, the SP model isn't very practical for work. Cause there is no headphones, <laughs> so um, oh, which, is a, which is a pain because it's a, it's a bit it's the best system of. <laughs> advanced series of so the game boy advanced series that's the better system because it's bigger it has the lcd screen as well the backlit screen um but just no headphone socket which is bizarre from nintendo as well um but anyway kind of going, going back to my original point really is that um i don't always have a ton of time for gaming hence why funny enough i'm probably not the best person for a modern gaming podcast because i can't always fit in um modern gameplay but retro games are a little bit easier for me because they're quite short bursts really so it's easier to kind of like Fit in five minutes here, ten minutes there, all sorts. Um, I do have my, my flexibility varies. You know, sometimes I have mm -hmm. periods where I can spend a lot of time on games. I usually always set aside time specifically for things like game clubs and also for articles I'm working on for this. But the the general thing really, because I think it's a great question as well, is where do you find the time? Is that I, 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 I it's really finding time for things that you enjoy and somehow for some reason it, it just it I, you the time just comes itself really um, yeah or people say like how do you fit it in yeah yeah, yeah. I mean 
and I, and I, I can, I, you know, I, I, Fred can probably speak this too. I've had one of those sort of days today where it's really stressful and, you know, things have happened and I've sort of, you know, or, you know one of those sort of work days where you just think, how on earth can I sort of fit in any time to do anything? But I think, you know, it's really, it's, you should, I know it sounds really cheesy, but you should just always deliberately um, force yourself to find times for things you enjoy. I mean, that doesn't, I know that it's going to get really cheesy now. It doesn't have to necessarily stretch just gaming, you know, like listening to music, you know, playing a musical instrument, or if you're, kind of what I'm doing quite soon in the future, but finding time to sort of do more studying to develop in my career as well. You know, you just, you kind of have to get yourself out of it. There's time available there. I mean, this speaks to my personal experience because I've done, I've I've done, I've, I've, this is a really kind of personal story to share on this show that I don't know, Fred might not even know about this one, but when I was listening to Gaming History 101 back when I was commuting on two hours, a two hour commute there and back, so that's four hours of a train ride. I used to listen to Gaming History 101 there and back uh, every day, every day. I was actually studying wow. a, a, a distance learning course at the time and I was doing it on a little laptop on the train while listening to the show. So let me so, guess the book was why are all Americans like <laughs> something wankers? like those lines. Yeah. And I, I'm not trying to put myself, I make it sound quite obnoxious. I'm putting myself on a pedestal. Like I'm sort of some sort of amazing person that fits this time in. But uh, when I was doing this stuff at the time, I was actually saying in my head, how, how the hell would I have time to fit in playing these games? Cause I was actually trying to keep up with game clubs on game history one-on-one back then, but it's, it's just it's a what tough I'm trying thing. to say. Yeah. What I'm trying to say is it's funny how, time almost you do find time for these things really just don't kind of stress about it and just you know it, it appears there if you can't if you can't enjoy it this week don't worry there'll be another week and i know i know i can't speak to the kind of kids thing of course you know i mean that that's um that's understandable i think priorities always come first if you need to obviously deal with that thing you have to deal with that first but there's always still like you know well, and the age of your kid really matters i mean as yeah. somebody who's got a four-year-old now like it's easier to game now than it was before although sometimes she dictates it sometimes i sit down to play need for speed for example or uh, retro gaming's really good because you usually don't have to worry about the content so sometimes yeah, i sit down I for yeah. yeah sometimes i would sit down for a good session of ease but she doesn't want to watch ease and she, i don't really make her watch me play i just kind of play in the room while she watches something else or does something else um, but, but she's aware of what's on the screen. And sometimes she comes to me and goes, dad, I don't, I don't want to see you play that game. I want to see you play like she calls star Wars battlefront, the robot game because she loves the ATST or the ATAT. And so she says, I want to play the robot game. Well, then if I'm going to play games, I'm playing battlefront. There are worse things I could be forced into, but you can now on the flip side, when my daughter was from like newborn till probably three, Mm. yeah playing with her (laughs) around was not really possible but she took naps i would get like an hour or two in the middle of the day but Mm. otherwise yeah like um so i mean like you said jam i think you kind of find the time but to answer everyone's question very directly because people ask me how i find the time specifically um because i do a lot of podcasts as well the way I find the time is that I don't sleep. And I know that's not an answer people <laughs> like, you know, right? Like I get a lot of criticism yeah. and I don't even know if I would say criticism. That's putting it way too bold. I don't think the people who listen to this podcast really care much about my life decisions that much, nor should they. Um, but not sleeping, um, 
I try not to consume food after like nine. I try uh, to work out as often as possible in the evenings, like on my way home from work. But before that kind of jazzes you up for the yeah, night. Yeah, it does. Yeah. You mm. eat a little healthier for dinner. Most of my meals are home cooked. That helps. That helps. Uh, I don't usually drink alcoholic beverages or sodas actually i i tend to stray from sodas and alcohol although you can catch me having one or the other probably every night um but it's to well no 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 actually coffee is probably my third so probably three nights a week i'm having coffee and then the other four nights i trade off between either an alcoholic beverage or a soda but like last night i knew i was staying up late for east so yeah there would be no alcohol um because that'll make me tired you know what i mean but uh, but it just depends. And again, there are other nights like, I don't know, let's say Sunday night. Sunday night, I just was like, you know what? I'm tired. <laughs> and my wife got home from work. And by the time we had every my wife got home at 830. By the time everybody was in bed, it was 9 p.m. And uh, she just said, let's just lay down and watch, you know, like a TV show. And yeah. I got through 45 minutes of that. And I was like, I will not be getting up for the rest of tonight. I'm going to roll over, close my eyes and go to sleep. And so kind of like what you said, balance, balance with everything. Don't I mean, yeah, drink too much. Awesome. Don't eat yeah. poorly too often. Don't, you know, go without exercise too long. Don't neglect your work, your education, your family, yourself. Just, it sucks to try to find balance, but you really do. And you just try to fit it in. And there are people who aren't get up and go people and who aren't, um, who are possibly lethargic or need Absolutely. to get motivated and things like that. And to those people, I say, you know what motivates you. Um, sometimes it's, you know, like one guy, you know, my brother-in-law, it's looking, going to like a store to like look for action figures that are hard to find the same way I like to go to nostalgic video game stores and try to, yeah, or yeah. pawn shops and try to find little things. Um, you know, just, just do something like that and then just piggyback that energy. I don't know. Um, well, I think that's a great way of putting it. It's, um, you, that's what I, cause I do that with um, I, I rather than because it's, yeah it's easy to just sit um, on the sofa and look on eBay and look for various retro games but I generally I know it sounds sort of kind of sad but I generally prefer just to go out in the wild look through a couple of charity shops I'll probably find nothing in fact five times out of um, ten there'll be nothing there at all but every now and then right you'll just find you. that um, sorry I said I'm right here with you. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I don't always find stuff. Although recently, I Jam, I found a 99 cent copy oh. of a game called Black on the <laughs> Black. original Xbox. Oh, Black! Yeah, of course. That's the, that's the Apparently, it's got shooter. tons of bullets in it. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, 99 cents. Uh, people always told me I should check it out. Will I ever play it? Probably not. But I picked it up for 99 cents. Well, I mean, that, well, that Fred, that, there's your charity. There's your, there's the um, 24 hour marathon. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm not playing one game for 24 hours just because I, I, I don't know. I don't think that's for two hours. Or so I don't know. Um, but, but yeah, it's it's something. And again, um, that's the last thing I will tell you. Do not look at your collection as a whole. No, I no, think no. it's best to focus on one game, like, like, and not for a specific day. Like again, schedules are going to screw you. Why? Because you'll get into the groove of like not wanting to do that. Right. Like Jan, yeah. if you say you're going to play games tonight, even me, even you planning to play games after you get done with this cast, which you probably won't. But if you did, even you saying you plan to do that gives you an excuse to not do that. 
Yeah, no, so, I definitely agree. With yeah, that. so yeah. don't do it that way. But what I do do is like, for example, East. Right now, I'm trying to beat East too. So I told myself, when I play games, there will be no thought. I will jump into yeah. East yeah. too. Absolutely. But that's only like once. Like once this week, I will play East too. Now, if I keep playing it, that will be my call. If something sucks me in, if I want to do it, but I also want the opportunity to jump around. So what I try to do is just try to queue up what the next immediate game I'm going to play is and then not worry about it. Like I know Friday will be Dragon's Dogma because it comes out on PC and it is <laughs> the greatest game that came out in 2013. So I have to grab it. You've made me want to replay that on the, I've yeah. got it on 360 and PlayStation Plus, yeah. but I think I'm going to go back to it. <laughs> So anyway, I know you probably came for Game Boy Advance and stuff, but I thought it was it was good to talk about. Um, and you will go through times in your life where you just will not be able to keep up with it. Yeah. Let me be frank with you. Gaming History 101 existed because writing about games that I remembered from my youth, playing games in very short 30 to 70 minute bursts and doing a podcast where I just waxed nostalgic about something that was timeless was exactly how I was able to cope with. And I wouldn't even say cope with, but that was my way of handling the fact that there really was no time for me to play video games from 2011 to probably 2014. Yeah. yeah. Like my daughter was born and that was it from, you know, September, 2011. I did not play video games barely at all for like the first year she didn't sleep through the night until she was a year and two months old so <laughs> yeah and my wife worked so we were tag team doesn't sleep <laughs> yeah we were tag teaming it so yes i still remember and she was a colicky kid i still remember pacing the hallways at four in the morning and pacing has never been more boring than when you do it for a straight hour but you know what yep. you throw a podcast into one ear and it gets easier and you know, like you just, you just do it. And I wouldn't trade one minute of that pacing back and forth in the hallways. But let me wrap this up real quick because we've probably gone too know, long yeah. on this. We should but... change the topic. <laughs> so what did the media people say? This yeah. is where I had to just go. What the fuck? Uh, the first, the, the first response was kind of like yours, but I felt that it was a little less respectable. Uh, like it, it was, it, it was a little less it was more disingenuous coming from yeah. this person, which was, she said, you need to just find time. You need to just yeah, come home and tell your family right now. I'm going to play Mario Kart for the next hour. And I or, or like declare that Sundays at seven was when you were going to play Mario Kart or, or just warn your family in the morning that, you know, sometime today I'm going to play games. You don't know when it'll be. And I said, that's a real, like, hi, I don't want to get married. I don't want to have kids. I live in an yeah. apartment in the big city kind of mentality, right? Yeah, this declaration <laughs> of independence, you know, like like walk yeah. up to your family and say that. That's pretty dumb. Like, no, no. don't say that. That's not a good way to handle that. No, you could so. do that. But, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> like I have a rule that until my daughter was well over three and there wasn't a specific time. It just there was a time where it migrated in that I didn't play games while my wife or daughter were awake. That wasn't their rules. That was my rule. Uh, yeah. It was a good way to balance life. And that was how I chose to do it. What was the other one? They said, you just need to tell yourself you're going to do it. You need the motivation to do it <laughs> again. This is another single person kind of thing. And this guy goes. 
Me That's and my old. girlfriend, we talked it over, and now every Sunday we go to a local bar with three other people and play Dungeons and Dragons for four <laughs> hours. Right. <laughs> and you could do that only with your family as like Mario Kart night. And I said, only a person who has no kids, yeah, no yeah, yeah. family, has never been like close to marriage would say that going and drinking at a bar while playing fucking D&D for four hours on a Sunday afternoon is even remotely close to trying to find play time to play video games between a 60 hour a week job, two kids, a wife and life. Like, come on. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Because I was going to even state that even as somebody, you know, it's not been too long since, well, you know, I, I'm not, I'm, I, I am with a partner now and, and um, who I've been with for quite a few years now, but even with our flexibility, you know, we, because of like how because of how life is and sort of commitments and just just how things go generally we we are quite sort of socially active but we can't always find time to do things that easily like that to go to a bar and do that sort of commitment right you, or if you, you do you've happen, got a plan yeah. around it in some yeah. way um but but again i and again i uh, there's some talk in the chat i don't want to think that i'm slamming on media people oh, no, but it does just prove that like I guess my point here is even I and Jam are not people who may have lifestyles that even remotely reflect your own. But my mm, thing everyone's is... Everyone's different, yeah. Absolutely. Major media podcasts are probably the last place you would want to ask that question. Because um, you're not going to get a very realistic answer. You know what I mean? Most of these people work from home. Most of these people don't put in what we would call hours. They just have to, they get Witcher 3 this week and they've got two weeks to beat it and do a write-up on it, mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, something that we do for fun, which is have a couple margaritas and play fucking, you know, until dawn with a couple of friends on a Twitch channel. They get paid to do that, which is great. It's an awesome yeah. job. Like I got a smidge close to actually doing that for a living. And you know who gave me the best advice was Dan Reichert, who does work for Giant Bomb now, but at the time he worked for Game Informer. He said, man, you just seem like a guy who, you got this girl you love, you you see her and you see kids and you see a house and you see a family. And he goes, this lifestyle, you're, you won't succeed here. Some make it work, but they don't make it work great. Somewhere there is a family at home that is pissed off that they're not home. You know, mm -hmm. and he goes, I just don't think it's going to, you know, even if you tried to go for it, I don't think it's it's really what you want. He goes, if it is cool, go do it. But I, I just I'm, I'm concerned that that won't work for you, which is why you see what you do with those press, because you have to be a certain kind of person. You kind of don't want to get married or if you do you're probably not going to have kids you know and you're going to be two independent adults and stuff and that works that works yeah. constantly chip is that way he him and his wife don't have kids they're two great you know independent adults but um but it just wasn't for me you know and so that's why i say gamers with jobs is a good thing there's various other things but anyway uh all right sparky wants me to push on <laughs> sorry that was something that That's came up i figured i'd talk about it no more no more ranting here we go let's talk about the game boy so jam uh mm -hmm. game boy i mean we'll just we'll just kick it off right away game boy yep. released in the united states in uh the holiday season of 1989 all um, the way about then what all the way back then in the 80s. So yeah, and 80s. I'm trying to look it up right now because I, of course, didn't look up the European date. Um, uh, it was the year after for Europe, so 1990. Okay. 
So you guys did get it in 1990. Now, did you get this um, right away? Pretty much we did. Yeah. And it was like, just kind of like I've mentioned before is this is like a joint present for the sort of the whole family really. Um, Although, <laughs> despite that being the case, we and I, I guess it was the same in America where our Game Boy came packed in with Tetris. I think they pretty much all did, didn't they, from launch? Um, I'm talking yeah. about the original. The original first one came with the the original Game Boy uh, came packed in with Tetris worldwide, uh, which is an amazing decision. Yes, <laughs> because um, Tetris is what we like to refer to as a killer app, um, mm-hmm. which is a game that. Uh, is kind of a quintessential piece of the hardware. And um, I don't know about you, but I'd say that is true. I would say that regardless of who you were, you, you, it was the first time you kind of heard these stories, right? Of yeah. like soccer moms and business <laughs> Yes, I was about to get onto that. <laughs> yes, and kids, you know. Uh, it was the first time dad wanted or mom wanted in the rotation for the video game console on, on Christmas morning. It's where um, the um, the playground jokes where when I used to go to school it said your mom plays Tetris. <laughs> it's just like yeah, but it's supposed to be an insult, but you know, <laughs> yeah, but, right. So. <laughs> but it was totally true. Yeah, uh, it was true. I said yeah, she does. So. And Fortingard says that poor Russian dude didn't see a goddamn cent of the game. Um, true, I think he's talking about um, Alexey Pajdanov. Um, there's an interesting story as to how the rights and all that. Story, yeah came together uh i've it's on gaming history 101 so we won't bore you with it now but yeah um nintendo kind of snuck in under the radar and snagged it out from under sega and atari uh Mm. in what is one of the most impressive uh bait and switches i've ever seen (laughs) but yeah uh because of the communist regime in uh the social ussr at the time now russia um alexey pajadnov really saw no money for that game um Mm. but um Anyway, uh, and Sparky says, uh, wouldn't have sold nearly as many Game Boys if Tetris had not come with it. I, I think it's a combination of a handful of things. Um, yeah. Do we want to talk about the origins and the decisions of the Game Boy before we get into yeah, our experience that, with it? Yeah. Okay. Um, <coughs> okay, but I, I mean, I, I don't know. If you don't mind me sort of just uh, butting in a bit. Oh. Um, the, the, uh, did you want to go back as far as the very, very early origins? Because obviously we're going to talk yeah. about Gunpei Yokoi, who's of course. the infamous designer of the Game Boy, as well as many other Nintendo products, we should say as well. And um, non-Nintendo products. He is yeah. responsible oh, yeah, of for course. the Wondrous One. <laughs> the Wondrous One, yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> the, you probably know this story, Fred, is back in 1979, which was... 10 years before the Game Boy came out, um, mm-hmm. he came up with the he came up with the idea of basically the idea of what a Game Boy could be. He didn't obviously name it back then, but the story basically was is that he was on the train and he was he saw a Japanese businessman playing on a calculator. Um, literally, he was bored and he was just playing around, I guess, putting mm-hmm. boobs or something on it or whatever. Yeah, he was just <laughs> typing in words and stuff. We've all done it. Um, uh. But that's that, that was kind of the trigger for him. And at this point, um, Nintendo was not a games company. They were a toy company. So there was no sort of... Um, th- I think this is the stage that they were, they were kind of off the card bit at this point. They were doing sort of actual toy products. Yeah, uh, a good example of this was around this exact time you're talking about. Uh, Chris Kohler has actually found this. Uh, it's, it's, think of a, like a, some plastic bongo drums that aren't too unlike the Donkey Konga yeah, say, yeah, from yeah. the GameCube. And you would put in a card with perforations in it, holes, and it would self-play the bongos for you mm. to different songs. These are the kinds of contraptions that were around. Uh, Nintendo's also at this time making 
what they called video arcades, but we wouldn't um, think of like early duck hunt, like a laser yeah. light show with mirrors and stuff. Go to our light gun episode if you want to know about that one. But they're making fun little, um, yeah, little toys and uh, and and s- small moving objects and things like that. Uh, so, and not doing great at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the no, company no, no, almost we'll bankrupts well in in this time period. But uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so. Anyway, but Gunpei, real versatile guy, went Absolutely. from being an engineer to make little mechanical devices to obviously making some impressive handhelds uh, on top of other things. But mm-hmm. that, that literally just come a year later in 1980 when he released the very first Game & Watch game called Ball. Yes. Yes. Oh, Game & Watch. Now, uh, you familiar with the Game & Watch series at all, Jam? I am familiar with this game, but it wasn't obviously very big over here in Europe because I believe this was kind of just more America and Japan, yeah, as far as I'm aware. things that you guys got screwed on. <laughs> as well as many other things. We had the Tiger electronic handhelds, but obviously they came a lot later, but they're kind of, it's kind of similar, but they're not nearly oh, as... Oh, no, Tiger handhelds are fucking fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Depends which one you have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Top Gun. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, um... Uh, the Game & Watch series would come shortly after that. And the early ones, like Ball, would look uh, somewhat similar to a basic design of a Game Boy. Yeah, just a small, it's just a little screen. Um, obviously, it wasn't the same as the screen used for the Game Boy. Um, it was kind of like called pre... It, it, was still, it, was, it was still an LCD screen, but it had like the yeah. pre-graphics in it. So they were just in the background or pre, pre-done there. And they sort of lit up correctly when you were... Uh, moving your character around yeah think of it uh, as like how the intellivision was just a million different ways to mm-hmm. show off uh, pong or not the right ah, crap not maybe not the intellivision what was the first one uh, maybe it was the intellivision. magnavox uh, no, no, no. odyssey the odyssey Pfft, sorry brain fart uh, the odyssey yeah. <laughs> was yeah basically used overlays to turn any version of pong into a different type of game this is somewhat to that degree you know, whereas the Game Boy actually drew, you know, the entire graphics itself um, mm-hmm. and had shaders. Uh, Game yep. & Watch really didn't have shaders. Uh, this is this is obviously very, very basic, uh, especially, you know, this is 1980. So, you know, it's still sort of very early stage. But the, I guess, kind of fast forwarding, because obviously I think people would like to get to the Game Boy. But, you mm-hmm. know, the Game & Watch would obviously develop. I think there was, was there 43 Game & Watches? Quite a lot of them. Um, uh... they, I'll get you an exact number in a sec. The, um, they basically, yeah, they sort of improved those. They eventually sort of ended up with the Jewel Game & Watch, which would obviously very much mimic a very famous system coming later down the road, <laughs> the Nintendo DS. But obviously, this is a very early sign. That was the Donkey, there was an infamous Donkey Kong version. And it, not only was it a Jewel screen, but it also had a, it was the first um, game system to have a D-pad on it, um, which Nintendo patented, of course. The infamous <laughs> Nintendo Plus, yes. Yeah. Um, I didn't get an exact number, but yeah, there were, there was, I, I know the number is around 50. Um, yeah, it's quite a lot, so. sort of significant number. Um, but the big thing and where this matters most to the Game Boy was in, in contrast to how Americans will handle portables, and we'll see this, or even Sega to a certain extent, but Sega was heavily influenced by its American branch. Um, <clears throat> everything had to be cheap. The mm-hmm. Game & Watch is supposed to be cheap. The parts that make it have to be cheap. 
it's it's all about inexpensive. It's all about the novelty of it, and you get it in enough people's hands. I think anybody who had Sticker Shock, and that was probably a majority of us, for the recent uh, announcement of six hundred dollars for um, you know VR, understands the concept. Where at that price, you don't contemplate picking it up right away. Mm-hmm. Um, Game and Watch was I want to say they started off at about three thousand yen. So that's 30, 35 bucks. Like that's, that's a price you can pick up at, you know, um, for a single game, especially for business trips. And they would take that same concept when they uh, made the Game Boy. So Gunpei Yokoi and Nintendo R&D 1 developed the Game Boy um, and kind of show it off. I'm trying to see, uh, hold on, I got a little bit of notes. Um, But uh, yeah, yeah. Basically, they they had this this device that they wanted to make. Um, they were going to piggyback the success of the NES um, yes, with of uh, sl- yeah, select start B A plus, um, you know, as as how it would work. Very basic, simple speaker in mono, mm-hmm. um, and they just saw what they could get on the cheap. So. Of course, Jam in nineteen eighty nine or eighty eight when they first started prototyping it. What's one of the strongest, cheapest processors on the market? The Z80. The lovely Zilog Z80. I was about to get to that, yeah. Yeah, um, which is basically the the core, the 8-bit core of the Game Boy. And uh, just a quick reminder for those uh, that obviously are not familiar with the Z80, it's an infamous um, kind of microcomputer uh, released in in the UK back in the the day. Microprocessor, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's basically very well known because this was monochromatic graphics as well as just black and white only, just mm-hmm. like kind of like the Game Boy. Um, and it's funny, obviously, you mentioned this, Fred, because uh, could kind of just this is a small little um, diverge. But the people that programmed for the ZX80, oddly enough, went on to program for the Game Boy. That does <laughs> not surprise me. In the yes. UK, so yeah. that makes sense. And there were some cool things. Again, I think the coolest part is when we get to talking about. Uh, which we will in a moment, I promise, um, what the Game Boy did in terms of games. Um, but yeah, uh, from a from a hardware perspective, yeah, ran a Z80 processor, very basic, um, uh, very basic uh, kind of like watch speaker um, that wasn't capable of a whole lot. It was um, a custom sharp processor, wasn't it? Which I think was was actually funny enough used in watches. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it basically was... Um, it, it, it was a sharp processor that that emulated like more fancier watches. Think of like the the calculator watches and even mm. the Game and Watch watches that uh, hit around the same period of time. Um, but it used the Z80 basically architecture. Um, had you know 16k of RAM, half for video, half for itself, and then of course you know like with the Nintendo carts would expand that. Its resolution's 160 by 144. Which isn't as small as people may think when you consider that on the screen it was 320 by 240 um, yeah. for most uh, most NES games and, and, and stuff like that in America. So it, it was roughly half the, uh, the resolution. Um, but because it's all dot pixels, you can do pretty good. Uh, it had four different shades of gray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Light gray to dark olive green. Anybody who's seen it knows that green-like texture to it. Um, and and pro- what? Sorry? 
Yeah, we're also going to get on to kind of why they chose green as well as the for the LCD screen. No, go ahead, tell me. But the um, well, the the, the, the Nintendo being the um, people that they are, obviously product testing, they found that apparently um, green was the sort of gave the best calming effects or something something along those lines when they were product testing it so obviously because you know they could have theoretically it didn't have to be green the background of the lcd screen it could have been gray or something a bit more plainer but they decided that that was oh that was it as well it was also because it works best with natural lights when um, when they were testing outside so that was another reason we should point out it's not backlit so um, (laughs) so let's just let's just knock this out real quick and then we'll we'll wrap up the game boy but um yeah uh (laughs) um oh i did just find out that tetris was not the pack-in game in japan oh really the game boy did not have a pack-in in japan i can believe that yeah interesting um but uh um a mojang game (laughs) right uh no no the yeah to see this thing in the dark was like impossible so that did make it difficult on trains and cars um and so they released a game boy light many Many third parties released Game Boy Lights, and it was these huge... This is only a design that would come out from the late 80s, early 90s. It was these huge screens, uh, kind of like lenses that would wrap around your Game Boy that had track lighting, basically, as the border. And that would be kind of how you could see other people would... Uh, I don't know if they really did the the little kind of snake lights that would kind of come around and like hover over your screen. I think that was more from the Game Boy Advance era. Um, but, uh, did you ever have a light, a fun little light for your, your Game Boy? No. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. They, they were so awful though. Cause they would, they were. cause of the reflection they would cause off the screen. You would kind of, yes. you would see that, um, natural <laughs> light was always the best really. Um, but yeah, like we, we you just like a, yeah, or having a window close to you in the morning or something. That's when I, funny enough, that's when I used to play the Game Boy most before my mum took it <laughs> so, and started playing Tetris. <laughs> Uh, and just to clarify, because Sparky's asking about it, uh, when I said 16 gig, uh, 16k of RAM, it was uh, 16k of base RAM, and then there was uh, 8k, sorry, 8k of base RAM, 8k of VRAM. I just combined those like, together. Like, um, an interesting fact, though, is um, that's four times the RAM of an NES. <laughs> so. Makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Things RAM got cheaper, uh, <laughs> but uh, but. The other thing that's very significant about the Game Boy was that it ran on two AA batteries, which would give you 15 to 30 hours of play. Which was huge uh, to why this was probably a little bit more successful than other portables at the time. (laughs) Specifically, Jam is referring to the (laughs) Game Gear by Sega and the Lynx by Epix and Atari. Both color screens, real fancy, much better specs, but... They needed six, six double A's to run for <laughs> yeah. like two hours. Yeah, I yeah. If you well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and because we had we had we did have both. We had a Game Boy and a Game Gear. And um, I, I we even actually did test it with me and my brothers. Uh, where my I'd have two older brothers and oh, uh, and I got to take it back. It's four double A's. I'm sorry for the links for the Game Boy. Oh, if you for the Game Boy, it's Game four double A's. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, did you say two? two. But one of the late, the later models did have two, but we'll get to that. But um, yes. the um, we we actually anyway, what happened is we actually had both the systems in the car, and we'd have them starting with full batteries, and that that Game Boy would last forever on the same batteries. Whereas the gate, you would go through several packs of batteries of that Game Gear just to, to even compete with the Game Boy. 
You know, I got to give a credit. Uh, normally, I don't uh, back uh, Wikipedia for, for a source, but when uh, Sparky mentioned Wikipedia, I pulled up the page. There's a surprising amount of photos and information here, including the Game Boy Light. Yeah. Uh, Game Boy Light. So the Game Boy released in 88 in Japan, 89 in... Uh, or, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Sorry. Um, mm-hmm. And... Uh, no, it was in, in 89 as well. It was just an early 89, but I'm, I'm looking at the light and just uh, the the price and the colors and stuff. It's like 30 bucks. Anyway, <laughs> um, so the two most significant reasons I think the Game Boy sold was, one, came with Tetris. We've already talked about that. Of course, yeah. Killer app. Um, and, and they talk about it in David Chef's book, although uh, it's been a little more difficult to take that for face value as of late. But the one point was once they locked that in they knew they had a system seller on the game boy Mm. to be able to pack in tetris the other reason why was this premiered for 90 dollars and i believe 90 pound i think it's a little bit less i believe i think it's about 75 okay something like that it was roughly 90 bucks worldwide um an interesting 100 bucks is huge yeah interesting fact for that as well is if you adjust that for inflation that's actually about the same price as a 3ds now yeah to sort of be well in comparison to sort of systems well, today if, yeah but you know what's weird um no matter how old i got until my parents stopped giving me you know christmas birthday gifts around 21 no matter how old i got the budget was always the same 100 yeah. bucks for christmas yeah, I, was like, yeah. <laughs> Not, I didn't get that much for christmas but <laughs> well and again that that also combined with the the leisure of january 6th is my birthday so they would often like link it together and stuff like that but uh but yeah as long as i was a gamer it was roughly a hundred dollars for me every every christmas so so game boy fit that right and mm-hmm. you knew it came with tetris so you didn't need anything else i mean you wanted other things but you Definitely didn't have a hard time just accepting Tetris, you know. Not so. Um, so yeah, addicted that game is. <laughs> yes. So it's today. So. Yes, it, actually, it's it's pretty amazing. Uh, just just whip out a Game Boy with Tetris yep. in it and just turn it on You're and sorted. just leave it sit on like a countertop or like at a store or something. People will come around and play it. Yep. It really will. <laughs> so, oh, Sparky Gestro has chimed in. Launch price in Australia was one hundred ninety-nine dollars ninety-five cents. <laughs> and now I know the Australian dollar is different. Not bad for here. I was about to say, yeah, the Australian dollar is different um, when you start doing uh, conversions and whatnot. So, excellent. Yes, actually, it's funny. Yeah. Uh, Wikipedia doesn't know the price. Spark get right <laughs> okay. on that. Um, but uh, yeah, the Game Boy was an impressive little thing, and it was Nintendo on the go, and that's exactly how they sold it. Mm-hmm. Um, what gets interesting, and what I really want to spend a majority of the rest of this episode talking about, is that it really wasn't Nintendo on the go. It'll start that way. Yeah, yeah. but it won't do that game any. That it won't do that uh, that system any favors. Mm. Um, but let's talk about the launch titles. Of course, yeah. So in Japan, four games came out. Uh, is that Bojang one? <laughs> well, there's there's Yakaman, which is right. the... Oh, you're talking about Mahjong? That's what I meant. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, I got it wrong. Yeah, yeah. Yakaman was the, uh, was the Mahjong game. Mm-hmm. There's always a Mahjong there's game. There's always got to be one of those. <laughs> Baseball. 
And yeah. if you're not aware of this, is that the Mario one? There's a no. This is just a uh, a, a Game Boy port golf. of Nintendo's uh, baseball. Although you know what, Mario might have played the sprite in that mm. in the Nintendo NES version. Um, baseball, huge pastime, um, uh, uh, massive in uh, in in Japan. Ironically enough, um, but uh, yeah. So baseball came out with it, and I can understand that, right? Baseball yep. on the go. I'm actually playing a Ram Ram Stadium I recently played, which is uh, basically the TurboGrafx version, the PC Engine version, CD version of RBI Baseball. Sure. And that is super playable, like, <laughs> without knowing Japanese. Um, but uh, then Alleyway, which is huge. Oh, yeah, that was great. Right? Breakout. So we've for... recently talked about Breakout, yes. Uh, this was Nintendo's version of Breakout. And I don't know about you, Jam. We can talk about this in a minute. Um this was the first game I bought. Oh yeah, the system. Good choice. Yeah. And now this this did have Mario on the cover. He was in the little like spaceship. He's in the little capsule. Yeah, he was <laughs> on everything. They were really smart about that. Uh, I uh, fun fact: Gunpei Yokoi uh, responsible for this game. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, he was the lead designer on it. Um, it probably doesn't shock you that he was the lead designer on basically all of these initial games because he was so intrinsic to its launch. Yeah. Right. It was, it was literally like one of his children. Mm -hmm. Um, but much like Tetris, like you could play alleyway forever, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, it's fantastic. So simple, but it it had, it had a bunch of levels. Um, it had 32 levels in it. That's a lot for a game boy game. Remember whenever you turn off the game boy, you'd have to start over. There wasn't any save. Yeah, of course. On the card or anything. And it did have a Mario level, a flat out super Mario brothers sprite, just like this amiibo I've got right here made into (laughs) an alleyway level. So that was a, a a breakout level, but is that the, um, the retro Mario sprite you're talking about? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So, and then, of course, and I think this is where um, our conversation will go, but the last launch title in Japan was Super Mario Land. Oh, yeah. Now, we'll talk about Mario Land in a sec. I should point out Tetris and Tennis would come out as launch titles in America. Mm-hmm. We, of course, wouldn't get Yakaman. And then you all wouldn't get Yakaman, but you also didn't nope. get Tennis. We, we you got guys tennis. don't yep. like playing. Uh, sorry, at launch. Oh, I thought we did get it at launch. Uh, according to okay. uh, everything I've seen, you guys did not get it at launch. Okay, yeah, no problem. Um, but I guess I could. I be definitely wrong. didn't have. I didn't. I didn't have it at launch, so I don't. It wouldn't have been a game we went for. <laughs> but yeah, is tennis popular in? Oh yeah, it is. It's pretty. It, really? Well, Wimbledon's okay. huge over here. The, oh, uh, duh. The... <laughs> But, I just um, thought I, I thought being a typical stupid American that you guys were more <laughs> into like badminton or something or oh, let's go let's go play let's go play some polo. Um, <laughs> yeah. We don't have one of those games. We should be. So, you guys don't have polo. <laughs> well, we, we we have um like yeah, the horse version of it. And, yeah, that's yeah, because yeah, fucking the Brits know how to fucking roll with that shit. Exactly, not in swimming um, or anything stupid like that. But <laughs> no, no, fuck swimming and walking around. No, it's on horseback. That's how that's meant to be played. Um, everything's better on horseback. But uh, anyway, uh, so yeah. So that was your, your launch base of games. I think that's a good idea. I think sports games will transcend anything. Yeah. Um, I don't know about tennis, but I guess it was a good one-on-one thing, right? Because the Game Boy did have a link cable where if you had yes. two people, yeah. you could play ad hoc co-op. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and the, you could do it right out of the box. So these were great games, right? Alleyway and Tetris for your for your masturbatory fix, and then you could bring in a buddy uh, <laughs> yeah. for baseball and tennis. And it was really smart, right? Because it would sell two copies. Mm-hmm. Um, the Game Boy, up and until what was it? The I think it was the DS was the first one where you didn't necessarily need two carts. But up and until that point, you would always need two carts to play two player with a with a link cable. Yeah, yeah, you always had to have a car each. Yeah. Um. So. I don't know. I, I, I did get it in 1989. I remember getting it. Uh, the Game Boy box was very distinct. Um, I remember fighting with everybody about it. Oh, and let's talk. I, I've talked about this before. I don't know if this happened to you. The, the console came with a set of batteries. Yeah, yeah, it did, didn't it? Yeah. Which was, yeah, I don't know if the Game Gear did. I seem to remember horror stories about people. I don't not think getting... it did, actually. Yeah. yeah, I don't think either of the other ones did. So that was a, a thumbs up for Nintendo, but y- you would buy that first day, by the end of that first day, burn out the batteries because literally everyone in the house would want to play it. My dad and mom played it. Mm-hmm. And when those batteries died at like eight o'clock on Christmas night, it was great <laughs> scouring remote controls and little devices in your house yeah. that had double You need to watch TV. <laughs> because, yeah, because our parents didn't. <laughs> didn't buy you know a, a pa- my parents didn't buy a pack of batteries my parents were the notorious parents who never uh bought batteries for anything like they never check you know and when radio shack would try to sell them an extra pack of batteries or something they're like no we don't need that crap um so we were always running out of batteries but yeah that was that that became something that happened in houses all the time was to lose all your batteries and your remote controls and alarm clocks and things like that anything <laughs> that was portable but uh but anyway, um, anything you want to say about uh, like the launch or your receipt of it? Did you get it as a gift or? It's actually a gift for my oldest brother for his birthday because his birthday is quite close to Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, you know, it was it kept getting it got got delegated down the line. <laughs> as of do. course. Um, so we all, we all, we all had a good play of the Game Boy when it wasn't. Uh, I, I do remember distinctly us all fighting over having a go of it um, just for Tetris of all things. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> I think I was um, I was having um, a discussion with someone today, um, someone who's kind of a, a lot younger than me, who's kind of not from that kind of generation of the Game Boy. I think his kind of generation of handhelds was probably maybe the Game Boy Advance, maybe later. And he was just kind of, he goes, who cares about Tetris? And I was just saying, oh, you know, oh, back then. Yeah. Are you know, kidding yeah. me? Even the DS, Tetris DS is still one of the best games on that console. I've got that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> keep it. That's, I do too. It's a collector's item. Um, fantastic game. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it, these were quintessential early games that anyone can get behind. But then mm-hmm. what got interesting was kind of where the Game Boy went from those launch games. And I yeah. think the first place to start talking about it is Super Mario Land. Yes, so. not designed by Shigeru Miyamoto. No, actually Gunpei Yokoi uh, <laughs> was... Uh, <laughs> he, he was the producer, so he was like the project lead. Yeah. Um, designer was Satoru Okada, um, who... The big thing about those two was they were the dynamic duo who teamed up and made Metroid. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So you got the guys who made Metroid. This batshit and crazy crazy game, which uh, had that amazing soundtrack by Hip Tanaka. I don't believe Super Mario Land was Hip Tanaka. 
Uh, no, it wasn't. Uh, oh, wait, no, it was. It was Hip Tanaka. That's fantastic. So basically, the Metroid team came over and made a game. Yeah. And it was, it was interesting. Yeah, that's, I was about to say, that's probably the best. Uh, to, it, it really split people. Some people were quite on board of this game. And then... Um, but it's it's still kind of seen as kind of the sort of stepchild of the Mario series because of how sort of how it strays really because it it doesn't really there's a lot of because I think really we could all say that most two D Mario games you play now have kind of a quite a similar design to them but this original uh, Mario Land title was really very different from the NES counterpart where. Um, enemies reacted differently. Um, an, an infamous example is when you stepped on the turtle shells; they turned to bombs, so you couldn't slide them around. Well, and 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 Mario's sprite is so small; he's tiny. Um, there, are, <laughs> there are. Um, it, it's got this weird theme. Bowser's nowhere to be seen. No, no one. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's you can ride vehicles. Weird, <laughs> yeah, there were shmup levels. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did everything right. It went under the sea. It went to ancient Egypt. There are Moai heads. He goes to like South America for a while. <laughs> um, it's 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 interesting, right? And uh, but it is when you look at it. I mean, it makes perfect sense that it's Super Mario Brothers. The concept of Super Mario Brothers stripped down. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we should point out Princess Daisy, not Princess Peach or oh, Toadstool, yeah, being the uh, the girl. Um, they still yeah. have the whole like your princess is elsewhere and um, turns into a damn like the prince turns like a monster until you get to the end of the game. So they they did they did troll you back then as well. Yeah, um, they did. <laughs> and um, uh, but it was just weird. Like you fought the Sphinx as yeah, a boss. Um, there were actual boss fights in this game. That was another weird, which quite thing. quite rewarding actually. Because they're different. Yeah. Because it wasn't just battles every single time. It was right. you know, different sort of bosses. Yeah, and there were different ways to overcome them and things like that. Now, it should be noted that at this time, um, Mario 2's out. Um, but uh, Mario 3 won't hit for another year. In mm-hmm. fact, I remember playing Super Mario Land in line, uh, in, in the theater, waiting to see The Wizard in 1989. Oh, really? <laughs> which would show That's off fantastic. Mario Brothers 3. Yeah, which is, <laughs> if you've never seen The Wizard, it's Rain Man only with a child who plays Nintendo and Fred Savage, uh, which is fantastic. And, and that big. character who plays Lucas Barton, it's amazing. So bad. Total twat. And that guy <laughs> actually became a sex offender, unfortunately. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't think it's a good thing, but yeah, he's a registered sex offender. Uh, but oh, anyway. Ruined my childhood. <laughs> I know, right? One step at a time. Um, but yeah, so I, I will agree it was polarizing. What will be interesting and most significant about Super Mario Land is it will be the blueprint to how games are supposed to be scaled and work mm-hmm. on Game Boy. Um, because a lot of early Game Boy games, which I'm sure we'll get into in a sec, uh, make some pretty big mistakes when it comes to doing that. Make the sprites too large because they have this, with the shaders, they've got this, uh, this new uh, batch of definition mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, visual definition that they've not had before. And they wanted to show it off. And I, I totally get that. Um, unfortunately, it's not going to do them a whole lot of favors. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think, I, in my opinion, Super Mario Land is exactly how you want to do it. Um, mm-hmm. 
and I, I think it does an amazing job of uh, of kind of pulling that together. I liked it back in the day. I did too. Yeah, I still like it today. Oh yeah, I so. still like it, but it's easier to like it now, right? You you see its value now. Uh, <laughs> I and I, I mean the royal <laughs> you, not you specifically. Um, I'll tell you, yeah, I know. And it's also interesting because it offshoots the Super Mario Land series, which is very different. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it goes off a different on. tangent, really, um, especially when you get to free. <laughs> and, and then WarioWare, which is what will piggyback yeah. off of it. But, um, So let's talk about some of these early ones. Do you want me to – do you want to name stuff? Do you want me to name some of the games I'm talking about where I think it, it gets interesting? Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, because like, there's a lot of real easy ones that are perfect for the Game Boy. Uh, Quicks or Kicks comes out. Of that course, yeah. that makes perfect sense. Golf. Oh, golf will become <laughs> a quintessential Game Boy game. Uh, boxy. Um, uh, but uh, but then so here's the interesting ones. So, Castlevania: The Adventure. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> I am a huge Castlevania fan. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but you know what's not good? <laughs> Castlevania the Adventure. Um, did you ever play this? I've got it. I own it. Yeah. And it's got oh, eyeballs wait. in it. Yeah, well, yeah, it's got that. It's, um... And they did scale it right. I'll give them credit. Yeah, it's got the scale I mean... like Super Mario Land. In terms of design, I think they did well. In terms of how it looks, it looks like it looks good for the Game Boy. Absolutely, mm-hmm. it's just more the gameplay is the issue here. It's just the um, it's very slow and it's quite clunky. Yes, <laughs> Belmont in it. I don't think it's Simon, but whoever the Belmont is, yeah, it's it's very goofy. You can shoot fireballs from your whip, but boy, what a wasted console to do that on where there's like no real estate. (laughs) (laughs) And then they do the signature Castlevania big bosses, which basically means like the bosses crowd in half the screen. And of course, if you touch them, you lose a bunch of life. Um, Didn't go well. Mm -hmm. Didn't go well. I didn't like it. Um, it broke my heart. <laughs> I can imagine, yeah. But uh, but yeah, that was the first one. That was the first one where I started to say, okay, so maybe we're not gonna get portable versions of every game we like, you know, or it's not gonna be as good as every game, um, you know. But on the flip side, Nemesis, which is Gradius on the Game Boy, mm-hmm. I thought that was really well done. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Nemesis? Yes, I have. Yeah, this is really good. I, I, I think I knew it. I thought it was Gradius, but it was Nemesis, wasn't it? it was, uh... Yeah, and, and for those that don't know, Nemesis and Gradius, uh, they are interchangeable. Uh, mostly it's Europe that knows it as Nemesis, right? Yeah, is that yeah. correct? I think so, yeah. Because you guys got it on a bunch of microcomputers or something. Konami mm-hmm. made it Nemesis. Um, but yeah, oddly enough, it's called Nemesis on the, uh, on the Game Boy worldwide, so... And it is. It is purely Gradius. Um, the ship's big, but that works to your benefit in, in mm-hmm. Gradius, right, is to have it zoomed in. So it actually makes Gradius easier. Um, but another one I was thinking of was uh, Gargoyle's Quest. Oh, yeah. Oh. Okay. You, sa- you seem to have a connection with this since you're the big Game Boy guy. Let's, uh, tell me a little bit about how you feel about uh, Gargoyle's Quest. Because you got to be the armor, the red yeah. armor, the bad guy from Ghosts and Goblins. The Gargoyle's Quest is, I, I felt, was a pri- quite a breath of fresh air, actually, for a game. Um, I, I did actually, because when I first played this, I wasn't massively familiar with um, sort of the Red Armor's connection with this and um, Ghosts and Goblins. Uh, maybe because I kept dying in that game. <laughs> so, but, 
And well, then again, saying that, I kept dying. There's a video out there of me dying a lot, um, (laughs) if you're interested in seeing it. (laughs) And um, it's, it's, it's a very, very interesting game in the sense that there's a lot of sort of elements to it you start you play as red armor but it has sort of zelda elements it's got platforming elements um it has the kind of like uh which i kind of like you, you see you see in modern games like rayman origins where you kind of hang on the walls and you can kind of jump off them um and you can kind of do the little gliding maneuver um it's a very just it was quite a cool little platformer um for the t- for the time um yeah. although it's, still it is worth if because it's on the um virtual co- well is it the virtual they call it virtual console i think call it e-shop the 3DS, don't they? yeah e-shop virtual console, yeah. that's it yeah so it's available on there for sort of about three pound uh three pound 59 it's not not too I think bad it's five bucks in america maybe yeah. six but it's worth it yeah i say it's, so it's well worth it actually i think this game's kind of rare uh, really now. oh <laughs> like on cart isn't it rare? I know the sequel. Oh, I, I could believe is. that. Yeah. Uh, Gargoyles Quest Two and Demon uh, on the NES and Demon's Crest on Super NES. That was the other interesting thing, right? It started. It's it's one of the couple of series. Obviously, Voss is not here right now, but uh, Kirby would be the other one that would start life on the Game Boy and then get oh, yeah. sequels on home consoles. And the, the, so. those Kirby games. There's um there's Kirby's Dreamland, wasn't there? One and two. They're on the Game Boy. Those were great. Um, I, I'll be honest. I didn't play Kirby games back at the when they were um, when they were on the Game Boy. I, I, I actually brought those um, on my 3DS to play them. Um, which, by the way, just to sort of sidetrack that, the the emulation of the 3DS um, to Game Boy games is actually pretty good. It's not bad yeah. at all. They do some quite interesting sort of magic to that, which Fred will probably know better than me. Uh, they don't. It's not green at all. There's no green um, LCD to it. It's grey. It's more grey, but it just. They did a fantastic I job of kind of converting it. I think they just stripped the color palette of the Super Game Boy, which we'll yeah we'll get to also. Um, but yeah, Gargoyles Quest was was kind of the first one of these, um, and it was it was very cool to see. It was it was somebody doing something new, right? Yeah, and um, and I, I felt that they really haven't sort of repeat. Apart from obviously they did a sequel to the game, which was only on the NES, I believe. I don't think that came out to Game Boy. Uh, no, and then the third one was on Super Nintendo. Oh god, yeah, I forgot the whole Demon, Demon's Crest. Demon's oh, Crest. Oh, yeah, yeah that's, that's a super rare game. I think that did come out on Virtual Console. It did. Though. Yeah, I need to buy that. Yeah. <laughs> that's but that's I've like a three hundred dollar cart in America. <laughs> like, yeah, Virtual Console. Yes, it's on Wii U only though. It's Nintendo doing that thing like please buy our system we'll give you old rare shit <laughs> but uh why well, they, they sold me for that reason yeah right right um <laughs> but then there were some games that really missed the mark and i think the first one that i definitely knew oh, about God, was um ninja turtles fall of the foot clan oh god yeah i remember that one massive <laughs> sprite huge <laughs> huge ninja turtle sprite that takes up like 40 percent of the screen <laughs> yeah <laughs> Which made platforming and fighting very difficult. Um, oh, but you, you the game's also eight minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, it's twelve minutes long, <laughs> but it, it really is. It's very short. Um, I was about to say, but you, we, we put up with it because we just loved turtles back then. Which like, oh yeah. Oh my god, I did too. Like I was just, I was, I was a turtle apologist back then. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't have to apologize for anything. We had hero turtles over here. We didn't have ninjas. <laughs> so, That's right. Teenage uh, Mutant Hero Turtles. I love it. I just love um, the fact they changed the theme song. They actually did put hero in the theme song. <laughs> they did? That's fantastic. I gotta yeah. go look that up. But um, 
And and yeah, and it was it was completely based off of the cartoon. Do you remember? Uh, so there were five stages. Um, yes. Stage one, city streets make sense and sewers. Stage two, factory. Stage three, convoy. Stage four, mountain caverns. You know how the shredder hangs out in the mountains. You know, like he does. Mm-hmm. Um, and then stage five was Technodrome, and you would fight Krang. And then guess what happens? The Foot Clan fell. <laughs> Yay! It's an appropriate title. Um, but this was where you started to say maybe this isn't a good idea. <laughs> um, and, and I remember several other games doing this. Um, the, Double Dragon did that. Yeah. Didn't, didn't port over very well. Paperboy, I didn't think, made it over very well. well my mum loved Paperboy on the Game Boy. She was, did she? she okay, do tell. I don't, know, I don't know why, because I thought, because we, um, we had it on the Game Boy first, I think, and then um, I later purchased it. Oh, well, the, see, she never knew how the other half lived. That that's why. <laughs> I, I later got it on the Mega Drive, um, and then uh, and, and I, I, and that's when I actually started to prefer Paperboy, because the Game Boy one was just so tough. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was tougher than the arcade one, I think. I would say. And they're all tough, but that was fucking boof. A lot of the details kind of lost because of the limited, obviously, palette to the Game Boy. Because it just it's very hard to tell um, what was the right house and what was the wrong house. <laughs> but, yes. I, I mean, my mum my was some form of Jedi because she certainly she got through that game on like the hardest difficulty. And she, <laughs> and she played, nice. played it repeatedly. Um, I didn't, I didn't see the appeal, but <laughs> uh, no, no, but I totally understand. Like, and, and again, and then there was like mixed opinions. Like some people like DuckTales, yeah. which is kind of Capcom did pretty well though, but DuckTales was just good enough to scale. But DuckTales is kind of a port of the NES game, but some You're kind like of not it. big on that, are you? <laughs> not huge on DuckTales. I'm huge on the NES game. I'm not huge on DuckTales. Remastered, on remastered, there, yeah. remastered was the one I was kind of yeah. rough on. Yeah. Um, but I think the next big thing would come, um, uh, right around the same time. I mean, it was within the first year, uh, the final fantasy legend came out and this was significant because this same year, 1990, we would get final fantasy on NES. We would also get dragon warrior, uh, in 89. Mm -hmm. So the early RPG fans were like, final fantasy portable, right? Um, Absolutely. Only if you know, it's actually not Final Fantasy. It's Saga. <laughs> uh, and Saga is controversial. Some people like it. Some people don't. Now, Jam, have you played Final Fantasy uh, Legend? No, I haven't. The I've Saga these, games? These early ones. Not these, really, not these really, really early ones. I think the first one I played was that. Was it the... This, I mean, Sword of Mana, isn't it, on Game Boy Advance, which was kind of a Final Fantasy that's, game? That's, that's Adventure. We'll yeah. talk about Final that's... Fantasy Adventure next. But... Um, which has now been renamed to Sword of Mana, yeah. Um, but, oh, I am about to sneeze, sorry. <laughs> Bless you. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> um, but what Saga did was basically, um, it, was a, it was a turn-based system. It was a turn-based classic RPG that kind of had a job system, mm. like somewhat. Um but yeah, it was, uh, you know, and again, uh, uh, what is it? Akatoshi Kawazu, um, who kind of follows the saga series forever, um, you know, kind of was in charge of this. And, uh, I just remember it had just huge maps, tons of random encounters. And I don't know, I, 
I just really didn't care for it. It was more turn-based random battles uh, than actual adventure or plot, and mm. I just didn't connect to it. So, nose fart, love it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so Final Fantasy Legend, I wasn't huge on. You didn't, you didn't get in at the ground floor. I'm guessing. No, I don't. <laughs> okay. Um, I think it, the these uh, these RPGs on the Game Boy, most of them were kind of like in the old sort of fancy style, where they're all kind of the first person boss battles. They were, yes, um, but they were third person dungeon oh, yeah. exploration. But yes, you're right, they were. Um, the exception, of course, being um, Final Fantasy Legend. No, Legend, Legend Adventure. Adventure. Legend. Adventure. It's adventure that I'm talking about. And in case people want to know, if you're in America. Saga games, there were three of them. There was Legend 1, 2, and 3. Those were red label. Green label was Adventure, and that was the Mana series. That was the original sort of Mana or Seiken Densetsu 1. Secret of Mana would be Seiken Densetsu 2, and um, and so on. Um, and this was a weird combination between... Uh, like it was it was basically Legend of Zelda with leveling up and whatnot. And I've mm -hmm. done a, a review of it. Um, I call it Final Fantasy uh, Adventure uh, on the website. But uh, but that was very cool. Uh, now it's been recalled to uh, Sword of Mana. Now, did you ever play Sword of Mana? I've, um, I played the Game Boy Advance version. Yeah, it's, it's a lot more kind of real time oh, yeah. rather than um, sort of you know, turn based. No, these are this is real time. It's full action. It's yeah, Zelda yeah. style. Yeah. No, like even on the Game Boy, it's it's Zelda style. So, mm. so yeah, they. I don't think they changed the game much, honestly. On the other than graphics, of course. Yeah, and color and everything and all that um, stuff. But but did you like it? I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty polarizing one as well. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I guess sort of. Uh, although saying that, I would probably I probably would have easily played Final Fantasy VII by this stage. I was going to say, um, but um, you know, it it, it was is a fun game for portable, absolutely. You know, um, I. I at this sort of stage, I guess I was more into kind of action games anyway, so it, it sort of suited my sort of game tastes at the time. Um, although saying that, you know, the the because I've played obviously Secret of Mana since then on one of my game club back last Christmas, and that was um, quite a you know it has that kind of sort of cinematic element to it where you have that kind of timing your attacks right, they sort of kind of grad they charge up, and then you have to you know you you, you attack at just the right moment to get the maximum mm -hmm. sort of effects. Um, so it, you know, I, I kind of enjoyed it. I mean, I haven't played it for a while, though, so it'll be interesting to kind of maybe revisit it and see if it still holds up. Um, but, yeah, I, I think one of the criticisms I heard most about the... I'm not sure if this is the original one I'm talking about. was its lack of um, supposed co-op, apparently, that was supposed to feature. Oh. I've never heard... Uh, that makes sense, because you're boy and you meet girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I could see where it was supposed to have co-op and it makes sense because the other second den sets games do, uh, they're all co-op. Um, mm. so yeah, I guess it was stripped from the, the feature. Now they didn't even bring it back in sort of mana. I don't believe so. They definitely are not, not from what I remember. Well, balls dropped twice then. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah. So. Um, but this is, I mean, and, and aside from these early games, I mean, this is kind of how it would go from then on. It was just like, it was a lot of ports from the NES. Yes, absolutely. Just a ton actually. 
and and for the most part they they just remade the games um there's a there's a version of pit fighter on this <laughs> <laughs> yeah i see Tengen that. I did it. It. yeah <laughs> and i think that was the other interesting thing was there were certain nes games they just couldn't bring out right pit fighter there was just no graphical fidelity and later on they do that with mortal Kombat. Oh, so because the game boy <laughs> will keep going when yep. the snes comes out and the mega drive yep <laughs> yeah and the mega drive and uh, genesis and um and this will just keep cranking games. Uh, and, and that's one thing I really like was its ability to adapt. Mm. <laughs> the, the Game Boy was very uh, quick to adapt to, to its surroundings. Um, you know, I don't know. Is, is there any specific uh, Game Boy games you want to mention that, that you really liked or that you played a lot um, from oh, back absolutely. in the day? Well, I've got, I've, I've probably got quite a big list. One of the I hear the paper rumbling. Hold on, whip it out. The, uh, the, the first one that I was mentioning, this is kind of close to launch. This was released in 1989, was uh, Motocross Ma- Maniacs, Maniacs, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Bikers, because it was released um, as a standalone game, but it was released as Bikers on the compilation car um, with Konami's Game Boy Collection Volume 3, which is the version I have. Um which is basically oh, wow. a compilation of four games. It has like Go Man on it and everything like that um, from the from that sort of Konami collection. I think Gradius is one of them as well. Um, but I don't mo- know if we got those multi carts. Oh really? There's, there's four. I think it's four of them. I believe four collections, and they're pretty good. Um, one of them though, Fred features Castlevania, so you might want to avoid that one. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> so, see, I don't recall anything like that. Yeah. Uh, but they came. By the way, the a- better way to actually play the Castlevania Adventure uh, is um, Castlevania Rebirth on the Wii. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a remake of that game, so. So, um, Motocross uh, Maniacs is kind of like, think of it kind of Game Boy's um, answer to Excite Bike, but almost think of it like a very, very, very early version of the infamous game Trials as well. So it kind of mixes oh, okay. in those two elements. It's, you can choose to either do just basically time trial mode or um, versus. Versus is where you will race against just one other bike because obviously that's all the Game Boy is going to be capable of. <laughs> right. mind, this is a very, very early title. Obviously, they did improve games a bit later because um, um, later down the road. But this is sort of very sort of basic sort of games at this stage. But what was kind of fun about this game is there was a lot of um, you did control the bike quite. You know, quite fluidly with you could make it do sort of you could flip it you can make it do flips and you had to kind of adjust it using the d-pad so that you didn't obviously fall off your bike just kind of like kind of like that's where the trials element comes into it you have to, it's quite a lot of micromanagement to its balance um but you could also turbo which was the funnest part of this game because you could literally kind of turn your bike into almost like a rocket ship at times if you had like a good um stockpile of turbo boosts where you could just literally fly across the level as the kind of the most um, infamous memory seems like a turbocharged version of excite bike which you've pretty much already said but yeah. still yeah but it was a ton of fun i i still when i sort of pull out the game boy this is a game i still go to actually right um today because it's just it's so simple but just so just so entertaining as well uh, i think it's a little bit more inter- entertaining playing um, versus because at least you you felt that little competitive edge to it like you had something to go against it was always a pain in the backside when you just you messed up like a jump somewhere and then that bugger ai character would just overtake you right at the last minute but see that concept that simplistic concept where it's really you against the ai and you're Mm -hmm. really just trying to master your crap like that is the key to a good portable game it is yeah absolutely just you against one other person as well There's, there's something really really kind of cool about that um but that yeah, that was a like in terms of a very early one. But um, I've got like sort of many many games. Um, one of the 
this is i think this was fairly not too sure i think it's in, this is definitely early 90s it's a game called boulder dash um which <laughs> <laughs> anyone that's uh, this is this is obviously quite a popular one over in europe um yeah that's so, a very british uh, choice that's why yeah. i laughed but now well that, no no i think you're right to laugh right because this game series has really gone off the rails since the game boy era because there was a 3ds game that was released not too long ago and there's also a um an xbox live arcade and possibly psn as well where you play as a robot so it's basically what this game is is you are going through like a maze from a top-down view almost kind of like pac-man but there's like falling boulders and stuff and uh, you've basically got yeah. to collect all the gems um the newer games just don't give this game uh, don't do this game service when it was on the game boy where there was definitely it's um golden period i'd say for this game series where um again just like with what the game boy games do well it was very much simplistic. They kept it simple, but it had these fantastic mechanics to it of risk reward, basically. So when I'm talking about the boulders falling, you, you're basically digging around in this area of, of sand. But if you dig to a boulder and then you fall down where the areas you dug through, the boulder would chase you, basically. And you basically had to kind of just like, it's almost like a really, really early example of physics puzzles. So you had to mm -hmm. try to just get the boulders to fall in just the right way so you could get gems. But the best part about the Game Boy version is you can actually be killed by the gems as well. There you go. Which I thought was just fantastic. There's something about um, just kind of how, you know, you thought you could be duped from your own sort of genius, really. So right, you think, oh, yeah. I know what I'm doing here. And um, the other the other thing I loved about this game is you could not kill enemies with weapons. You obviously dug around stuff, but you enemies were in this game. But you could only kill them with falling boulders or falling gems. Um, mm -hmm. But it was really, really hard to do that. It's something you just had to kind of have a knack for and just get just right. Um I played this game to death. I, I, I lost the cartridge years and years ago because I think my brother owned it before. And it's just like a lot of my old retro games. But I was very fortunate enough to find it because this isn't even a game that's easy to find on eBay. Um, but I went to a convention, I think last year, I think, and found a copy there. And the, game, and the guy um, happily sold it to me for quite a cheap price as well, which I was very grateful for because I was telling him how much I loved the game. And he discounted it for me just because I said how much I missed it. So... You didn't have to. I probably would have spent full price on it, but he was just—he just enjoyed my little rant about which I'm doing right now, <laughs> talking about why I like the game. Yeah, uh, no, but that's great. I, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I, uh, not a huge Boulder Dash fan, but you clearly are, and uh, and but on only now. of this version, though. That's what I was going right. to sort of state. Um, the you know Boulder Dash really. Yeah, I, I, I think I have that um, 3DS game. I, I know it was released on other things, but I don't have it on those versions. But it just really does not have that magic that this this version had. <laughs> There's something just about it. Sort of, it just it just got it got the balance just right. Um, mm -hmm. uh, it was so hard though. <laughs> Um, do you, you want to do one, Fred, or do we carry on? Sorry, uh, well, there were there were a couple that yeah I want to mention real quick. First of all, Billy, uh, yes, Billy OK was talking about Bubble Ghost. Have you ever played Bubble Ghost? Is that the one where you? It's the it's the, fun, it's, it's the funny platforming one where you are on you like a dead, um, like a dead gang member or something. Oh no no no! This one is uh, <clears throat> it's. I mean, I don't know where. It, let's see here. Looks like it got its start as an arcade game. Wow, interesting. Uh, I only knew it as, you know, a game that was on Game Boy, but apparently it was on a bunch of microcomputers. It was on Amiga, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're a, you're a ghost, and you basically blow a bubble, and then the game is about navigating the Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm looking at it now, yeah. A bunch yeah. of crazy obstacles, <laughs> and that game that game was crazy. Billy O'Kay says that game was brilliant. Um 
You, yeah, you don't I can... get originality like this anymore. <laughs> yeah, <can. laughs> I, it was it was definitely unique. And as the levels go on, it gets more and more and more ridiculous. Um, I remember having to navigate through like uh, very heavily timed like. Um, there were there would be like bullets or dripping water or something there would be like an axe that would swing there was all kinds of crazy things that you would have to navigate this bubble through and of course it's a bubble it's very versatile it's very easy to break you know sometimes you would have to hover it just above a candle you know but there were like spikes above and stuff it was just really funny and especially okay sparky kestrel says very popular on computers except for spectrum what no spectrum version Um, that's just shame. Yeah, I know. What a crime. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that's because the Z80 processor had to wait until it got its chance on the uh, on the on the Game Boy. Uh, mm-hmm. But but yeah, Bubble Ghost is a really interesting, crazy game. Uh, it's got. I'm just looking this up now. It's got 35 levels. God, I don't even think I got through 10 of them. Oh God, yeah. And then the no you saves know. as well. I'm guessing. What? No saving. Um. Did it have battery saves at this stage? Uh, don't think it did save. Mm. Trying to remember now, but yeah, it was just navigating this bubble through this these crazy puzzle levels was just great. It was just fa- fantastically great. Um, but uh, so that was one I wanted to mention. The other one was I can't believe I forgot about, especially after talking so much about Gunpei Yokoi and his team. Uh, Metroid Two, of Return course. Of yeah, I was gonna I was gonna come to that. Um. Yeah, Metroid 2 is fantastic. And that's actually an example of a game with massive sprites, but was good. So, Yeah, it's kind of bullshit. <laughs> there are times where you'll jump into a Metroid, and Metroids are not something you want to jump into. Um, but it was interesting because it had, like, Metroid bosses. It had a new type of Metroid character. Do you remember this? Like, those those crazy Metroids that would just, like, that would, they would, like, stalk you. Mm. Um and uh yeah it was it it was weird because it was it it got rid of a lot of the open world exploration stuff that made metroid so notable but it fixed a lot of the combat and boss battle stuff that made metroid so annoying to be honest Mm. with you um in fact i'm gonna go on record here and say i don't think i could play the original metroid again especially once i saw the masterpiece that was zero mission but um, oh yeah you know that in mind uh yeah it was uh metroid 2 is, is something interesting and it's on virtual console i highly recommend people grab it but just know that you're getting a dated and flawed game but an impressive one nonetheless i think it, it does it's quite it's very good on i have it on the 3ds and i have funny enough i have the car version as well um it's it is is if you are a fan of the metroid series and let's be honest um we're still quite deprived of 2d metroid games this game is certainly worth you know revisiting <laughs> yeah i think it's i think it's worth a play again if you want to play the original i'd say play zero mission these days um but oh yeah uh, of course but, yeah. but there, there's people that probably want to you know branch out <laughs> yeah i think metroid 2 is a more interesting game these days than metroid 1 is mm. um this actually one. continued. We should probably point out this game actually continued the story exclusively yeah, on Game Boy. Yeah, <laughs> she. So, uh, what does she return to the ship? 
Uh, well, she basically the mission in the second game is to uh, wipe out the Metroids. Basically, that's what her. Oh, that's right, because yeah. she blew up that space pirate station in the first yeah. one, and in this one, she goes to their home world and blows it up. Mm-hmm. Right, she's that cold-hearted yeah. woman. Bitch, <laughs> man, she's on it. Um. So yeah. So anyway, that was the other one I wanted to bring up. Um. So let's go through a couple more, and then I wanted to talk about what happens when the NES phases out and the SNES comes in. Mm-hmm. So, uh, did yeah, you have any other games you want to mention real quick? Yeah, I could go a while, but I'll just like... Well, say and again, I'm <laughs> trying to stay before 93, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. Okay. Um, the, well, I mean, one, I'm not sure if it's, I don't think this is before 93. I might have to just double check this, but we mentioned this on a previous podcast, but it was the Star, in Star Wars ver- Game Boy game. I don't think we talked too much about this, but it's basically like you're saying, it's <laughs> no, the NES have version. Have you played this? Okay. Have you played this version? No, but, no, no, no. But the, the Game Boy one, I, I actually preferred to the NES version, actually. Um, it, okay. I don't know, there's something a bit more, again, it, it was kind of keeping it simple, really. Um, and it, it felt like just this kind of, well, because this is sort of back when you want you're deprived of a. Uh, well, because bear, bear around, just a quick, quick sort of um, disclaimer. I didn't have an NES. I didn't have a Super Nintendo, so I wasn't exposed to a lot of those Star Wars games. Well, any of those Star Wars games on those systems. So I never played the Super Star Wars games until a lot later down the road. So this was kind of. I'm um, sorry. I'm sorry no, you okay, had to okay. like have all this hype, and then that's all they are. <laughs> yeah, well, I really like this game for a Star Wars game. If this is the only Star Wars game I was allowed to play, then I, I was happy. You know, you you were Luke Skywalker briefly, and you could change to Han Solo and Princess Leia as well. But it just felt like this kind of fun adventure. You could choose your character once you found them, but you could theoretically complete this game um, with without fully completing it. Because you have to, you have to. A lot of it was based on your exploration. You had to go and look for sort of like Obi Wan Kenobi. You had to go find your lightsaber. But if you were to sort of pay attention, you could literally just skip to, um, you know, basically go get do jump into Millennium Falcon and go to the Death Star. Um, but you would miss a lot of the. Acid. And then you'll be like Vader. I'm going to shit. I don't have my lightsaber. I know, yeah. They, you, you, I think they like cut out dialogue options if like Obi Wan's not with you and stuff. So that's so good. That's so smart. There. I'm not kidding. Like that's an amazing way to handle that. <laughs> See, but, nobody gave a shit what developers were doing on the Game Boy, so they just gave them carte blanche. I think that's why you get some interesting creativity in this. Mm-hmm. But, but I had a lot of fun with this game. Um, that, that was a. That, 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 there's not really much more to say about because we did sort of cover this very briefly because it, it does mirror the NES version, which does does do the same things. I just felt that the game run very smoothly on the Game Boy is a fantastic portable game to play. Unfortunately, no saving. So yes, you had to try and do everything all in one go. So I, yeah, I found that you were much boring. fewer number of games have saving on the Game Boy than people seem to remember. Mm. Um, I'm not sure. What, I'm just going to check the year this was released. Uh, let's see. No, oh yeah, I'm just on the cusp, which is '93. So, um, which is obviously Super Mario Land to the six gold oh, coins, and uh, that was '92 for us. That was a direct response to Super Mario World. Mm-hmm. And um, and the reason this game was significant is I absolutely loved this game on the Game Boy. This was probably my um, sort of big um, Game Boy game that I played to death, and probably still every now and then play through this and you know storm through it very quickly um, oh, six golden coins has to be one of the best game boy games period, period. Yeah. yeah um going out of the limb and probably saying i preferred this to the sequel and its predecessor the sequel is what is technically is is wario land super mario land 3 uh which is where i feel things get very different but 
uh, Super Mario Land 2 gets sticking to this game is it kind of mirrors what was kind of working for games on the Super Nintendo and Super Mario um, Super Mario well, well which one sorry Super Mario Brothers 3 <laughs> god just have to hit myself then to get that right no you're good um, where you know you have that kind of like map screen and you can but what was different about six gold coins if you could literally choose the route you wanted to go you didn't have to go the way the game told you to go you could choose which world you started on or which section you started on so you could go right, which is more indicative of world I do believe six gold well, coins it looks like the Mario sprite from Super Mario World it is but it's, even yeah. the world is linear you still have to go that's a good point. In each world individually, whereas six gold coins, you could choose to start in the toy section, you could choose to start in the Halloween section, you could choose to start in the street section, or that infamous moon area. And I, mm-hmm. I love that flexibility that you could when when you're when I was younger. I know it doesn't seem like much now because of games live, give you a lot of flexibility and allow you to complete the game in any order you fancy. But back then, it was quite a mind blow to decide. Yeah, it was Ducktales in this. Yeah, it was just to decide how you go through a game. I know people are shouting Mega Man at me and stuff as well, but I don't know. It's because uh, this was the first. This, Mega Man also was on Game Boy as well. We should say that's an interesting. All thing six of them, uh, <laughs> but I didn't play the Mega Man games on Game Boy. They were different on the Game Boy. They weren't complete um, recreations of the NES versions, but um, okay. you know, it, they're like remixes. I've heard. Yeah, um, six gold coins also kind of stuck to the kind of. Uh, original mario formula as well where you had the mushrooms and the power-ups um you know uh the turtles reacted normally this time so you could pick them up and everything like that um still had boss fights which was awesome you know which is so yeah. they, they were unique they were specifically unique they were more kind of similar to super mario um, brothers 3 though um they just weren't the couplings they were things like giant mice and uh weird things wario was the final boss um in this one it's his first instruction as well to um the whole nintendo ethos 2 um, which is a shame because I think his uh, portrayal in this game was probably his best, <laughs> where he was absolutely, he looked like just like a coked up Mario at this stage. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah he looks pretty crazy in this. Uh, like gnashing his teeth and everything. <laughs> well, the other thing that's great about this is this is the beginning of Mario becoming a giant dick in the Game Boy series. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, so... I just adore this game. I no, just... when this game came out, I bought it. I didn't have a SNES. I had gone the Genesis route, so the Mega Drive route. Mm-hmm. So this was the closest thing I was going to get to playing Super Mario World. Uh, and while it wasn't like playing Super Mario World, it was its own thing, and it was so great. Mm. Um, it's it's a fantastic game. Speaking of its own thing, and which is also popular on uh, the NES and the Super Nintendo, was uh, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. <laughs> yes, okay, Real quick before we get into Link's Awakening, because I want to spend a minute on that. Um, so the other thing that should be noted is uh, in 1993, which I think is when Link's Awakening comes out, um, what happens, something interesting happens. Uh, you can't do direct ports anymore um, of like Nintendo games. Nintendo phases out and the Super Nintendo kind of takes front and center. Like the Nintendo and Super Nintendo kind of coexist for about a year, year and a half. And then the SNES is out. And so what happens is first a little device called the Super Game Boy comes out, I think in 94, which allows you to play your Game Boy games on the console, which was an interesting thing Mm -hmm. because you could put them on TV and kind of give them light shades of color. Um, And then... I really feel that, and Six Golden Coins is an, an indicator of this, but that's like a year earlier. But basically, once Super Nintendo comes out, uh, Game Boy games get their own identity. Mm-hmm. 
they start to become their own thing. And, and Link's Awakening is a great indication of that. Um, but one other thing I wanted to mention is they also decide, you know what? Fuck it. We will make a Game Boy port of anything. There is a Game Boy version of Street Fighter 2. Games yep. that previously <laughs> were only on like Chinese bootleg NES carts suddenly start coming out for these con- for this console. There was there's a killer instinct Game Boy game. There is a perfect dark. Nah, game that Kerrison game. game is awful. Don't play it. <laughs> They're all awful. Everything I'm mentioning here is awful. There's a Mortal Kombat one, two, and three. Mortal Kombat two has <laughs> violence in it. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> uh, there's a Primal Rage game. I played it. Uh, you know. Of course, there's a Primal Rage game. Of <laughs> course, there's a Primal Rage game, and you can pee on them still. It's insane. Um, but uh, Hecht says, I still have my Super Game Boy. No SNES, but I have my Super Game Boy. Of course. There you go. Oh, hang on to that. Um, so let's, and, and we might have to wrap up after this, but basically let's talk about Link's Awakening. And then I definitely want to mention Donkey Kong, six, or Donkey Kong 94. But yeah, absolutely. why don't you start with Link's Awakening? Yeah, Link's Awakening. I should also say, the other thing I wanted to mention about Super Mario Land and um, Link's Awakening for that matter is both these games did have battery saves. So you could actually continue yes, the game. Um, they did forward um so link's awakening was pretty huge um because this was a unique zelda title um exclusively for the game boy um it would later get kind of like a special version of it which was released the game boy color called link's awakening dx which would basically all it added was basically the it's the entire game fully fully in color um but with an extra dungeon but i'm just going to focus on the game boy version only for now um basically it's the only zelda game which does not feature zelda (laughs) <laughs> Although she is named once in the game <laughs> by mistake, <laughs> 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 um, it's basically where Link um, gets kind of. You know, it's basically Link Lost Edition, where he gets stuck on an island and um, has to kind of assemble all the eight piece, eight, eight instruments to summon the Windfish to um, find his way home. Yeah, the Windfish. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it turns out Wart had it all along. Um, no. <laughs> Make it sound like I'm being harsh on this game, but it's a but it, the game. This game was a you know, huge adventure for for a Game Boy uh, console. That game is still big. It's yeah. It, it takes it's a long time to complete. It is not and, short. It's a hell of a deal for six bucks on the virtual console. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I, the um, it's one of those sort of games as well that has that kind of like if if you're looking for something if you've never played this game and you're a huge fan of um links to the past on the super nintendo this game is a must play because it kind of has a lot of features similar to that that people sort of miss and love from those old zelda games um still the top down view as well uh you can't really you can you do have a little bit of flexibility in this game you can't completely finish the dungeons in each order you have to kind of do the first few in a set order but then like later once you've got more sort of items through the dungeons you can start being a little bit more flexible and explore you've got this entire island to explore as well you get this sort of map to help you tell where to go um and it has all those kind of typical zelda things where you can collect sort of seashells go digging around for them which used to take me forever because <laughs> so, like this is i i i really kind of love, love these sort of old zelda games where you you know 
you just you can just have a ton of fun with it just go around exploring or or just hit, hit up the dungeons whichever you prefer oh and that that bit that i love the most about this game you could shoplift you could shoplift <laughs> if, i remember that but don't you go back in that store after you've been shoplifting no because or... <laughs> you don't get away with it you just never see them again <laughs> nintendo knows how to handle shoplifters let's put it that way so basically right, yeah. um the infamous part of this game is you can go into the shop and if you um pick up an item and sneak around the counter you can go out the door and take it and then the game will give a little text box up to you saying well done you have stolen it doesn't say well done i think it says you've just stolen that item i hope you feel proud of yourself <laughs> so something something to make you feel guilty and if you step back into the shop the shopkeeper will literally zap your ass and, and kill you <laughs> and say so, and basically accuse you of obviously um stealing from him and but uh, so yeah you do get your comeuppance and you do have to go back to that shop to buy something because some items can only be obtained from the shop <laughs> of so, course yeah yeah it's fantastic but yeah that, um, that was fun <laughs> yeah that was a really impressive uh experience through and through uh and it kind of carries on a tradition where um the zelda games on portables are are their own thing yeah they're distinct uh, and they're 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 pretty good uh some people have some mixed opinions about the later ones but um yeah and again there's there's more we need to talk about but uh kind of to kind of bookend this so let's talk about so then out of the blue and this was kind of a a co-branding thing i remember hearing about it with the super game boy was um was Donkey Kong. Yeah. And Donkey Kong's coming out for the Game Boy. And honestly, I was perfectly fine with it just being Donkey Kong. You Is know it? what I mean? Yeah. But it wasn't. No. No, it was something very special. You play through <laughs> that the That was first, a surprise. Yeah, you play the first three levels of regular Donkey Kong, and then mm-hmm. when you get to the fourth level, um, the game doesn't re it doesn't, it doesn't reroute. Stop. It, yeah, it doesn't stop. Well, it doesn't repeat. Yeah. Yeah, you get new things. You get keys. You get backflips. You get weapons it was yeah it was it was donkey kong on crack and it was insane and it had like a hundred levels or something yeah and it was amazing it was just the coolest little gift Mm. that i've ever seen just like grace a game and we should point out game boy games were cheaper too they were like 30 bucks yeah yeah they were a game for what it was and um, um, I was about to say, it reminded me of when you played um, Link's Awakening on Super Nintendo, where you got halfway through and you realized you had another, goodness knows how many dungeons left to finish, which was a, yeah. a sort of infamous surprise. Only that's Nintendo, true. Yeah. The, what, what seems to be the ending is the halfway point. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's and, um, cool. yeah I remember playing this um, and think, and actually, I was, I was really blown away by this when you, because, because I, I'd been, I'd, I'd played the N six, I played um, Donkey Kong on the N sixty four things, yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, the, yeah. the arcade version when you play it on the um, rares version of the game because it's part of one of Cranky Kong's challenges. Um, and yeah, and I was thinking, oh, this game would be great to play on portable. So you, I got it on the Game Boy and you play it on and there, and then you just get to that end bit, and then it's just like, what? There's more, and you, it shows you as well. It shows you that big map of all those levels that you've got left to do you're like huh okay <laughs> so, yeah yeah exactly and you you it, it did it just seemed like never ending i in fact i don't even know if i've gotten halfway through that game hmm. that game is also on virtual console if you yeah. want to check it out well that's uh, yeah price yeah what well worth the price for that it's only oh yeah i said i thought you said they upped the price i said oh they did oh no no Bastards. no no it's still cheap <laughs> as far as i'm aware yeah um so yeah uh and again they from that point on, they will release a ton of stuff, just a ton yeah. of stuff with very mixed results. The Game Boy library is vast, but again, 
700 plus. <laughs> yeah, and and again, for every you know, and and there's there's mixed reviews in the chat over the validity of Mortal Kombat 2 in particular, but <laughs> for the most part um uh oh, what's up MXT? Um for the most part, you know, the the results are kind of what you would expect. Like how would um how would Killer Instinct port over to the Game Boy? Not great. <laughs> Terribly. <laughs> Not great. But then there are weird things. Like, I don't know if you know this, but Contra 3 got... Uh, Probotech it did, 3 yeah, didn't it? Yeah, got right. ported to the Game Boy. And it's pretty fucking spot on. Do you, do you remember that game, Turrican? Do you remember that? Yes, Turrican did get ported to the Game Boy. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> and it was pretty good, too. Yeah, so it's these weird things. So if you want my opinion... Um, <laughs> I mean, it would be a lifetime. But uh, I know Game Boy World... Uh, is Jeremy Parrish's little thing, but definitely if you're if you see a port of a Game Boy, like if you're out in the at the shops and you see a Game Boy version of a game you know and love, oh, run I, a I, quick search on it and find out whether or not it's a good or bad port because there's no rhyme or reason as to which ones were good and which ones weren't. Mm. Uh, but you can be surprised sometimes. I never would have guessed Contra Three: The Alien Wars would move to Game Boy well, but it did. Mm. Uh, another one that we should talk about uh, real quick. We don't have to say anything about it. Was Donkey Kong Land, of which course. basically took the Donkey Kong country, country style yeah. and kind of remixed levels again, very much in the vein of Super Mario Land, mm. um, but even more so. Like, it, but it stuck to the base game, obviously. Yeah. Um, I wasn't. People so are waiting this one. <laughs> oh, Donkey Kong Land. Yeah, I, I I appreciated it. I do have that. I have that the first one, um, but it is they a tough one. Im- they look impressive. They're oh, wait, tough. They do. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, it's just it's a little bit tough with that difficult. I, I'd say this is one for the Super Game Boy. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, it and and again they did have the. I think the sequels were in Game Boy Color, but so let's talk about something real quick. We got to wrap up here, but. There's a couple of elephants in the room we got to get out of the way. So the Uh first one is we've talked all this great noise about the Game Boy. Now, the Game Boy won't go away. Of course not. For a long time. In fact, it will go all the way up to, what, 1999, I think, is when the Game Boy Advance comes out? Uh, I believe so. I'm just going to just double-check that. Okay. And I think it's... 2001. 2001. Okay, even longer. And I think it's 1996 that the Game Boy Color hits. Maybe it's 95. Uh, 98. Color. Shit. Okay, my <laughs> ears are way off. Thank you for looking those up for me. Sorry, I'm pacing my room right now. I walked right. away from my research. Um, and why is that? Well, there's a couple of things that happen. Uh, the first thing is uh, there was this little thing came out in 1994 called the Virtual Boy. Yeah, <laughs> Virtual Boy was a weird hybrid. Um, it's funny how history may repeat itself soon with the NX of a home console and a portable console. The problem was was it was all the limitations of a portable console with none of the benefits of a home console, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it didn't work well. When the Another Virtual Gunpei Boy, thing. <laughs> yes, it was. But when the Virtual Boy fails, and the Virtual Boy is its own thing. I, I wrote an article about it. Uh, and I might write about the games, but there really doesn't need to be much discussion about it. You either like it or you hate it, or you just think it's an oddity and you're probably right no matter what you say. But it was a blow for Nintendo and the Game Boy was selling like hotcakes. They were still obviously able to do lots of crazy shit with it. So they just rode that Game Boy wave and it takes them a long time to kind of figure out what to do. And all they really do with the Game Boy Advance is, you know, if, if the Game Boy is supposed to be the NES, then the Game Boy Advance is the SNES portable. 
yeah. to a certain extent. It's not from a hardware perspective, but that's exactly what it acts like. Um, and they ride that wave for a long time because they can. And one of the biggest reasons they can is because Game Boy Color allowed them to do a little bit more. And we need to do a Game Boy Color, probably extra credit. I don't think there's enough to do a whole episode. But Game Boy Color will be a fun little extra credit. Uh, mm-hmm. Jam, you and I will get together and we'll try to figure out how to do that in the upcoming month. But that let, let them do some pretty creative stuff and do some cool games. The other big thing is a little game called Pokemon. Uh-huh. <laughs> Pokemon will hit at the tail end, 1997, I believe, of the Game Boy black and white era mm-hmm. and live well into today. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, and... Sorry to say it, guys, but Pokemon was never going to be in the scope of this episode. It's too much of its too own thing. Big. Yeah, so it will be its own but, subject. Don't kill us. And I don't know about you, Jam. I'm not a huge Pokemon guy, but it's funny actually. Get a guess or something. I oh no no I I was actually pretty I I did really much enjoy this first Pokemon game series, but it's it's, it's everything after that I wasn't great with. So because this is probably the only one I spent a lot of time with. I, I think I believe actually um, Pokemon Blue, which is one that I, my brother my my little brother had it of, of all people. Um, so, um, it's the only one I completed. I believe. So nice. Well, and again, so Pokemon's its own thing. We might do a Pokemon episode, but um, also yeah, just a little fun thing. Sai One said his favorite Virtual Boy game was Headache Maker. And Sparky <laughs> goes, that was every game, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Um, red Alert was probably the one that, uh, I think that's what it was called, that made the biggest There was headaches, a Red Alert, but, yeah. Um, anyway, um, not to be mistaken for the PC Engine CDs Red Alert, which is a completely different Akari Warriors clone, basically. But, um, red Alert. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so... The Game Boy lived on for a long time, and uh, what it would probably devolve into if we went in a little any further would just be like countless back and forth. Oh my God, what about this game? Because there's so many games and they're so varied, both in quality and in what they are, that you could literally just talk for a lifetime about Game Boy games. What is cool about them is they're relatively cheap today for the most part. Yeah. So you can take a lot of risks with Game Boy games still. They seem to be cheaper in the wild, I find, rather than online yeah. as well. So if you do find them oh, yeah. at sort of uh, flea markets, car boots, or charity stores, people are generally giving these away quite, especially if they're um, just cart only. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I found anyway. If you need to go cart only, you're going to yeah. be fine. Which is I'm happy so. with usually. Yeah, um, I've only ever once ever found complete, uh, that's not a conventional, not a specialist seller who's obviously collecting them themselves. That's, um, that's, I've only ever once come across a, bot, a few, a few box copies of Game Boy complete with manuals at a charity shop and they're all being sold for crazy cheap price. So I brought most of them up and that included sold like Super Mario Land, um, in perfect condition. And yeah, you, you just can't say no to deals like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and they, they hold up. The hardware, yeah, the yeah. games, it all it's holds still up. Day. So, yeah, <laughs> so. um, all right. Well, with that, we're going to call it a wrap. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can find us at GamingHistory101.com um, where you can see a bunch of our write-ups, videos, all kinds of fun stuff, blah, 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 blah. Um, hit us up at ContactGamingHistory101.com, and we will see you next week for Mass Effect. So mm-hmm. peace out, guys. <laughs> <laughs>